Hi, and welcome to Business Talk, brought to you by Business West and Living Local, and brought to you by Bank ESB. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and here is your host for this episode of Business Talk. He's the editor and associate publisher of Business West. Here's George O'Brien. Okay, good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Business Talk. We have a terrific show for you today. I really can't wait to get started, uh, but I will because we first need to hear this important message from our sponsor, Bank ESB. Bank ESB is here for local business. As a local bank, we provide everything you need to thrive around here, including personalized guidance and business products like free checking and cash management services. Unlock your potential and learn more at bankesb.com business. Member FDIC DIF. Okay. We are back on Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. I am George O'Brien, the editor of Business West Magazine. I'm excited to say that we have as our guest today, Bob Nakastein, the now quasi-retired professor of economics at UMass Amherst. What does quasi-retired mean? Oh, that's a good description. I'm teaching courses um, in post-retirement, but I don't set my alarm clock in the morning, so... That's, I guess that's the working definition of quasi-retired. I, I've heard that working definition before. I like that one. I'm waiting for the day when I don't have to set mine a long way off. So anyway, we have uh, an exciting new jobs report. We have inflation. Uh, we have a distribution crisis. We have a workforce crisis. We, Other than that, though, we have absolutely nothing to talk about in <laughs> the show today. It's a full uh, plate. A full plate. Uh, I don't know where to start. Let's start with that jobs report. Uh, this is November 5th is where we're broadcasting this. A half a million new jobs added. Uh, that was far better than expected. What does that tell us about people returning to work and what's happening with our economy? Well, the preamble to that report was that there was a sharp slowdown in economic growth in the third quarter, both for the nation and the, and the state. July, August, September uh, showed uh, the rate of growth of, of economic activity to drop from six, seven, eight percent down to two percent. Uh, I would say this was showing us that COVID is still largely in charge. I think there was a response to the, the Delta variant, but the Delta variant seems to be waning a little bit. Infection rates are down, hospitalizations are down, and so on. And so then we had this jobs report, and it was a not only was the the magnitude, the total of the total, very encouraging, well over half a million. Um, remember, this is for October. In fact, this is a measurement that takes place early in October, uh, but it was broad-based. Uh, you couldn't find a sector of the economy that didn't experience job growth. And of course, the sector that's been hurting the most through the pandemic from February and March of 2020 has been the customer-facing service sectors, restaurants, hotels, mm -hmm. tourism-based, uh, retail trade, and so on. And they those sectors experienced reasonably uh, robust growth. So it was a an extremely encouraging jobs report coming on uh, the heels of a mildly disappointing uh, gross domestic product report. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe we'll link one to the other in a minute, but um, a lot has been mentioned about the economy, uh, where it can go, and whether it's going to have enough uh, fuel to drive it, fuel in this case being enough workers to take care of all those businesses, not just those in hospitality, but those in retail, manufacturing, healthcare, all those other places. Uh, do you think this economy will have enough fuel or, or not? Well, that's the open question, isn't it? There are lots of stories out there about 
people who can do so taking early retirement, uh, people who can't do so still taking early retirement, uh, people with uh, who are in two earner families, uh, one of them uh, opting out of the labor force. Uh, they, we are still um, well below the total employment levels of uh, prior to the pandemic. Um, and labor participation is still a couple of percentage points lower than pre-pandemic. That doesn't sound like much, does it? A couple of percentage points. But when you talk about a labor force that's in the tens of millions, that, that's a lot of people. So I guess my sense is that this is going to be a long-term problem. Uh, in the state, interestingly enough, the data suggests that we have labor participation that is back to what it was pre-pandemic. I'm not sure I believe that number. The state's data is, is always... Um, uh, sort of modeled. It's, it's not necessarily counted, but modeled based on national data. Uh, and it doesn't take much to look around and see help wanted signs everywhere. But I think there's going to be a long-term problem. I think that um, mm-hmm. the fuel may not be there. That said, let me just say one more thing. Gross domestic product is now higher in total than it was pre-pandemic. Uh, wow. What that tells me is that the sectors that are growing are ones that don't necessarily have uh, a labor-intensive workforce, a labor-intensive production process. Well, let's talk about inflation a little bit. This is obviously a subject on a lot of people's minds. Every time they go to the pump, uh, every time they go to the grocery store, it seems like their dollar is uh, going nowhere near as far as it did before. Uh, Economists are economists, but they are also historians, and uh, they always need to look back to sometimes look ahead. Uh, What does a look back tell you as far as what we're seeing with inflation in terms of what we're seeing now and what we might see and how long these current trends might continue. Well, the look back uh, most often has referred to the 1970s where uh, an oil price shock, actually a couple of oil price shocks uh, on the supply side of the economy sent inflation uh, skyward and um, also unemployment. It was a rare combination of high unemployment and high inflation. Uh, I honestly don't think that historical analog makes a lot of sense. Well, we, we, it, we're just not quite there yet, but there are definitely, from economists, there are two schools of thought. One is that the inflation we're seeing is transitory, that there are some uh, disruptions in supply chain that are going to uh, smooth themselves out, and that uh, the, the, the high prices of energy, of oil, uh, is itself transitory and is going to, to even out over time. Uh, there's another school of thought it says that when inflation hits, it gets embedded in the psyche of both uh, businesses and especially businesses, but employees as well. And once that happens, once it's embedded, once those inflationary expectations are what economists call anchored, um, that, lead, that can lead to a, a wage price spiral that can embed uh, not calm price increases as we've had uh, for many, many years now, but inflationary price expectations. And uh, I tend to fall on the, the transitory side, but I think uh, it is with some trepidation and it's a likelihood, not a certainty. Okay. So let's talk. I mean, there's been a lot of talk that, that with prices where they are for a lot of items, they're, they're just not going to come back down again um, to where they were before uh, we started seeing these spikes in prices and that, that these prices are going to be with us for a while. And the same is true for wages. Uh, but history does tell us that you know, prices do tend to scale back down again, and wages do as well. What do we expect in this case? Well, let me just back up a little bit. What happened in um, February and March of 2020 was that there was a sharp drop in economic activity, and it's most uh, dramatically reflected in the sharp drop in consumer expenditures. When consumer expenditures came back a couple of months later, and they came back 
really as sharply as they dropped. Uh, the balance of consumer expenditures had changed. And this tells us, I think, a lot about what's going on today. What happened was that the purchase of, of manufactured products increased beyond its pre-pandemic level. And this is especially true of durable manufactured goods, goods that last a couple of years or more. Purchases of those kinds of goods went back considerably higher than they were pre-pandemic. Uh, same is true, though not as dramatically, for, for non-durable goods. Uh, services, on the other hand, didn't spring back as quickly and haven't really quite reached their pre-pandemic levels yet. So what this means is that in addition to supply chain problems that were in large part pandemic related, but also uh, there were some problems with chip manufacturing in, in uh, the Far East that, that, that were independent of, of COVID, that on top of that, layered on top of that, was this surge in demand, this surge in expenditures for stuff, uh, for, especially for durable right. stuff, but folks for durable and non-durable stuff. And what that tells me is that supply chains may not be the only story here. In fact, if you look at, at imports of products into this country, they're higher now than they've ever been. If you look at shipments, uh, in domestic shipments in both truck and rail, higher than they've ever been. So supply chains are getting stuff to customers, but there's so much more stuff being purchased that it puts a great strain on supply chains that you know are already kind of stressed. Now, th that long story is to, is to justify my opinion that this is transitory, that all this is going to sort of even out and settle down, and that maybe prices won't fall back. I think they might well, but I think what you may well see is that price increases are going to settle. Uh, not right away. I'd, I'd say, look, let's talk again, George, in a year to 18 months and see where we are. Mm -hmm. And if I'm wrong, please don't play back this tape. But <laughs> I, I, think, I think that's when we're really going to know. Okay. Well, we're going to get to that in a minute. You're listening to Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. Uh, we're talking with Bob Nakastein, a now quasi-retired economics professor at UMass Amherst. We've been talking about all kinds of things, uh, inflation, uh, the economy, prices, uh, the jobs report. I guess uh, what probably a lot of our listeners are, are going to want to get to, and I always want to get to at this time of year, is that, that crystal ball aspect of your profession. Uh, economists are called to look upon what they see out their window, but uh, they're also called upon to predict and to project and to Take, tell us where the economy is going to be in the year ahead. This is early November. We still have a little bit of 2021 left, but what is 2022 shaping up like? And let's talk about the factors that are going to determine what kind of year it's going to be for our economy. Well, never before. That was a loaded question. It was a loaded question. And, and we've talked about this uh, for quite a few years now, but never before has this question, has the answer to this question been so dependent on public health. COVID is still calling the shots to a large extent. In fact, I think the, the slowdown in the third quarter, both nationally and in the state, was largely due to, to the Delta variant. If, as has been the trend lately, COVID continues to recede, uh, there are now, there's now a, an approved medicine in the UK to treat COVID mm -hmm. or to, 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 to give to people who are particularly vulnerable before they get COVID. Uh, if that gets more widespread, uh, if we continue to vaccinate more people, if COVID continues to recede, uh, then I think you're going to see pretty strong, maybe not robust growth, but you're going to see strong growth uh, in both the national and state economy. But that 
that is an open question. It's an open question how much COVID is going to affect this. I do think you're going to see supply chains become healthier. I think you're going to see this computer chip problem begin to resolve itself. I, people are waiting months and months for new cars. I think that's going to end up being weeks and weeks, and then mm-hmm. there will be inventory on the lots. Uh, I do I do have a pretty optimistic outlook for the economy next year, but never before in the many years, George, we've talked about this, have I been forced to qualify it so seriously based on something that's completely you know, out of our hands to understand, and that is right. what's going to be the track of COVID. What are some of the other factors that are going to determine this? We've talked about workforce. Uh, we've talked about distribution and supply chain. Uh, what else is going to determine what we're talking about a year from now? Well, I think you said the. I think you've you've, you've, you've nailed it. I think a uh, big thing is going to be workforce. Uh, we're still well below the participation rate uh, pre-pandemic of of workers. We're uh, help wanted signs everywhere. I. I I'm trying to redo the floor of my kitchen. It took, Good luck. Yeah, right. It took six months to get a, a load of wood that won't cover the kitchen that cost twice as much as it had before. Uh, I'm told that plywood, uh, that it's it takes weeks to get plywood. And as soon as it comes in, it's out, it's gone. Um, and I think in particular sectors, you're going to continue to see uh, these kinds of constraints, these kinds of shortages and, and price increases. And I think that's going to... St- that's going to slow down economic growth. But again, I do think that over time, these are going to, to settle down. They're going to be resolved, but over not over the immediate time. I think it's going to take a while. So I think that uh, even though I have optimism about next year, it's definitely tempered by the things we're discussing here, the supply chain issues, the labor force issues. You mentioned distribution issues. That's been a problem in our economy for uh, for, for decades, distribution uh, of income among, among uh, the workforce. I will say one thing about that. This this pandemic has has a little bit changed the balance of power between workers and employers. Oh um, yes, and I think that uh, well, while that might feed inflation a little bit, that'll also have outcomes or implications. It'll be very interesting to watch over time. It will definitely. So uh, let's just talk a little bit. I, I know you and I talk a lot about uh, confidence uh, and. and Confidence in spending, that comes both ways. It comes on the consumer side and it comes on the business side. Um, I'll ask the question, uh, but I'm going to just predict that you're going to say that consumer spending is, is, is doing fine. And there's a lot of cons- uh, confidence on that side of the ledger. People still have money to spend uh, and they're, they're just looking to do their floors over and, and do this and do that. <laughs> and if they can just get the materials to do it. The business side, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, there seems to be a little more uncertainty there about uh, where we're going to go next and, and whether they're going to have that fuel that I mentioned earlier to go forward and do what they want to do. What are you sensing on the business confidence side of the ledger? Very important to where the economy is going. I think the same thing you are. Uh, I'd be a little more specific and say that uh, it probably changes sector to sector. Uh, there are some sectors of the economy uh, that I think uh, employers, businesses are pretty confident. I think the, the tech sector, um, you know, the same thing we had over 10 years ago when the financial crisis hit, the tech sector actually survived it quite well as businesses tried to figure out how to do more with fewer workers. I think the same thing may be happening now. I think the tech sector is, is pretty confident of the recovery. I think that uh, given what you said about consumers, that they're they're spending hand over fist and they really are. I think the that the, uh, the manufacturing sector, the, the import sector, the, the transportation sector is pretty confident. But I tell you, when, when the rubber meets the road, you know, for, for customer-facing 
businesses, I think that's where you have a lot of uncertainty. Uh, and it's both because they're having such difficulty staffing up, uh, though the proliferation of help wanted signs is testimony to that, but also because customer facing, the act of customer facing really depends on the public health circumstances. And I think, you know, the ups and downs we've seen with COVID, nobody really knows where we go next. Uh, we can be optimistic, uh, we can be hopeful, but honestly, there's a lot of uncertainty. So I think, I, I do think that that confidence is spread unevenly throughout the economy. Mm-hmm. Some tech sectors are more confident than others, and that will evolve over time. Okay. So let's try with one more kind of separate, not just this state from this nation, but this region from this state. Uh, and you and I have talked about this often over the years too. I mean, what what goes for the nation and what goes for the state often doesn't go for this region. What do you see for Western Massachusetts in terms of where it sits? What are going to be the forces determining where its economy goes in 2020? Well, there's, there's really rarely been a time, this is maybe the first time I've said this to you in our years of talking about the economy, where both the region and the state have been really tightly bound to the national economy. Uh, I really think that that you can pretty well gauge where the state and the region is going to go by looking at how the nation's going to go. You know, we're, we're, we, have, we still have manufacturing uh, in this part of the state. Uh, we do in the state as a whole. I think there's pretty good optimism that that's going to recover. Uh, you know, the problem in this part of the state has always been what's the economic base. That continues to be an issue, but I think a lot of uh, sectors in the western part of the state are going to see improvement, again, qualified by uh, what happens in the public health sector, in the public health environment. But I do think that we are really tightly tied to the performance of the national economy. And, and as, the, as the national economy goes, so is going to go the state, and so is going to go our region. Okay. Was that a cop-out? No, absolutely not. Uh, and right. you didn't use the phrase cautiously optimistic once. <laughs> okay. That entire... Did- I, I which, was is, temp- which is a good thing. I, I know. You, you I was tempted. Are, I was I know, tempted. I know. I know. But we an embargo on the phrase consciously. All right. But that's what we are. Okay. I respect the embargo. There we go. Bob, thank you again for your time. We really appreciate it. We'll, we'll have you on uh, early next year to kind of see how we're doing with all these predictions. And um, good luck with your floor. Thank you. Always good to be with you, George. <laughs> okay. We'll see you again soon. And thank you to all of you for listening. This has been Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. We'll see you next time.